beyond infinity. Welcome to the program, Piers Cunningham and John Young, regulars here, and also Dr. Tony Hayes is kind enough to be with us again in the studio. Welcome, gentlemen. Great to have everyone here. Let's get stuck into this story about antibiotics in rivers. A survey was done recently of a bunch of rivers around the world. In fact, 711 river sites were tested across all all parts of the world. It's a global survey, and they found very high concentrations of antibiotics. Well, in some certain rivers, higher than others, obviously, but two-thirds of that 711 rivers were found to have antibiotics in them. Mm. One of the things that we've been talking about regularly on this program, unfortunately, is the sort of overprescription, the problem with uh, with superbugs that are are resistant to antibiotics. And we actually recently had a story about a, a heart medication, which turned out to have a side effect of being very good at dealing with drug-resistant superbugs. I think it's called Ticagloron from, from memory, but it is on our website beyondinfinity.com.au. The other thing that's come out in the news recently, we'll kind of break this down a little bit, but uh, the Australian Criminal Intelligence Commission has released its seventh report of the National Wastewater Drug Monitoring Program, and this has revealed the average consumption of illicit drugs around the country mm-hmm. and how this is, you know, this is uh, sort of reinforcing some of the... Uh, the problems that have been felt, particularly relating to the use of meth and amphetamine, crystal meth, ice, as it's also known, and just how prevalent that is. Mm-hmm. And then uh, John was also just mentioning to me off air that they've been looking at some of the effluent that's getting that's being found washing up on on Australia's beaches, and finding that that has uh, quite high concentrations of faecal matter in it as well. Yeah, well, we we discharge a lot of treated sewage, but then in some cases there's small amounts which is untreated, which is pumped out into the bays. Mm. And there's discussion about what's the best way to do that is, you know, can you pump it further out uh, or can we treat it more or maybe even reuse it? Can that be in some cases pumped back underground into the, um, you know, the subsurface, the water table? It it comes down to that 1%. I mean, they can recycle 99% essentially of that water, but it's that 1%, I guess, which is where this data is coming from as well, which can be somewhat harmful. Yeah, Yeah, look, the first survey that I mentioned of rivers as opposed to coastlines, it found that the most drug-polluted waterways were in Asia and Africa. And this is where there hasn't been much data up until now, but they're now adding those places into this survey that they're doing. So it includes the developed world, includes second and third world countries as well, but focusing on river systems and the prevalence of antibiotics in those river systems. Now, interestingly... In terms of concentrations, amoxicillin and cloxacillin were not detected at any site, and yet amoxicillin is a very, very common general purpose antibiotic mm. used all around the world and prescribed for all sorts of things. If you have a, I don't know, if you have spectrum, a bacterial infection yeah. in your throat or a bit of um, bronchitis or something like that, as long as it's a, a bacteria-related infection, not viral, amoxicillin is, is, is a very uh, uh, regularly prescribed and dished out drug in some cases it's been dished out a little bit too readily but interestingly that wasn't detected at any site at any of these rivers the most commonly found antibiotic was trimethoprim and that's used to treat urinary tract infections Mm. so these are drugs that have been found all around the world but particularly in certain areas i think some of the worst pollution that has been found 
was in Africa. But it's not just restricted to uh, humans and the you know, drug consumption of humans. There's a lot of in agri- agriculture, particularly farming practices. So I was watching a YouTube uh, video not too long ago and it was talking about how farming has changed, particularly for cattle in the United States. I mean, mm. many, many mm. years ago, many decades ago, it would be big green pastures with uh, not so many cattle where they could you know, eat grass. Mm. And then in order to improve production, they've actually put more cattle on smaller space, which tends to be you know, dirt dust bowl and they uh, pump them up with antibiotics so that they uh, get rid of the diseases and then because there's so much cattle there the, the urine runoff uh, the, the fecal runoff that gets into the water tablelands then feeds down into the uh, to the creeks and then yes. and into the lakes absolutely and then that can lead to the green algae blooms that, yes. that you hear yeah, about yeah. Yep. and that can actually be uh, devastating for your local water source because if the community is relying on that water for drinking water it's now poisoned essentially I think agriculture yeah. exactly that context that you just mentioned and I think agriculture is one of the, the biggest contributors to antibiotics winding up in river systems. Mm. So we, we can sort of point the finger at uh, overprescription of antibiotics. It's, it's, it's certainly a consideration, but I think really intensive broad acre farming is the, uh, the particular area that's mm. contributed most mm. to this. As a perfect example over in the States where they do a lot of that sort of thing. They use yeah. antibiotics because it's a, it actually saves money with farming rather than having to have you know, higher cleanliness mm-hmm. of where capital, ca- cattle are kept and where they're being bred and mm-hmm. where they're being raised. Uh, they can get away with things being much messier and dirtier and then just rely on antibiotics to, to solve any problems right. that might arise. Yep. But unfortunately, that's not good for breeding superbugs that are resistant to antibiotics mm-hmm. because you put it you put it into the into the waterways it kills some of the antibiotics but the ones that survive mm-hmm. they then can go around the world because people travel much more yep. the, the the ability for these things to be mobile and not contained to one area has changed and this is how things get get out there we mentioned uh, ticagrelor which is uh, a heart drug which could possibly be a new class of antibiotics this is work that's going on at the moment in labs around the world to come up with versions of antibiotics that have the same benefit for humans uh, in, con- in controlling disease but aren't vulnerable to superbugs, just ignoring them, going, oh, that's nothing. What, what, what was yeah. that? That was water off a duck's back. Ticagrelor is, is uh, that particular drug, and we have got a podcast on our website, beyondinfinity.com.au, just talking about that in detail. But that's potentially an exciting breakthrough, and a new class of antibiotics might be uh, in the offing there, but it's early days for that research. Some of the worst polluted areas in Africa, the Odor River it goes through Ghana's capital of Accra, as I mentioned, the most drug-polluted waterways were in Africa and Asia. Not really that surprising in some ways, uh, given the given the uh, uh, perhaps overprescription. Uh, the um, these are ease places of access with, as well. Ease of yeah. access. Yeah. I mean, apparently that the uh, the Chinese and Indians have been manufacturing antibiotic tablets like amoxil that sort of those general purpose antibiotics in massive quantities mm-hmm. you know and and then they, the sale price comes right down and rather than having the the benefit of a, a properly trained doctor to say oh you should take that antibiotic uh, you have people selling these who aren't even pharmacists mm-hmm. you know it's just like oh i've got a box of these things do you want mm-hmm. some of them mm-hmm. let's let's hope for the best so unfortunately that can happen in the less developed world and that again is contributing to these high levels found in rivers other drugs are obviously found in, in the rivers as well. It's not just antibiotics. There's plenty of other drugs that are being found there, but antibiotics is the sort of focus of this in the sense that this survey has been looking at what sort of contribution is being made to drug-resistant superbugs, to the, the rise of them, and, and how is it that this is happening? Well, well one of the, the big ways is through the release of antibiotics into river systems. 
in Bangladesh's Kirtankola River near the south central city of Barisal. That contained the highest antibiotic concentrations of any surveyed site. The level of met- metronidazole pardon my pronunciation, approached 40,000 nanograms per litre or about 300 times the safe level. Cyprofloxacin exceeded safe levels by a factor of eight. High concentrations were also found in river systems near the cities of Accra, Ghana, mentioned that before, Nairobi in, in Kenya, Lahore in Pakistan, Lagos in Nigeria, and Nablus in Israel. The most contaminated sites in Europe were in an urban tributary of the Danube in Austria, and the most polluted U.S. river was found in North Liberty, Iowa, near many agricultural farms, as you were mentioning, mm. uh, animal farms. So, so that's the story with rivers around the world having high levels of antibiotics in them, and then the problem with, uh, with breeding drug-resistant superbugs flowing from that. Some of the variables that affect the findings in each river was the water's depth, how fast it flows, and whether a sampling site is located downriver from a city or hospital. They could also have a, an impact on drug concentrations. You're listening to Beyond Infinity. Now, just moving on to um, illicit drugs found in Australia, the the Australian Criminal uh, Intelligence Commission uh, recently released its seventh report of the National Wastewater Drug Monitoring Program and revealed the average consumption of MDMA in both capital city and regional sites and average heroin consumption in capital cities uh, increased to the highest levels recorded by the program. Methamphetamine remains the highest consumed illicit drug And it's interesting how this breaks down into location by location. So Adelaide had the highest, the Australian Criminal Intelligence Commission, they don't reveal exactly where these these measurements are made. You're not street by street or suburb by suburb, it's it's just general areas. It's actually, well, it's the water water processing authorities that are working with the Criminal Intelligence Commission, but they're also not even prepared to say which ones they are. They Mm -hmm. want to keep this data as as sort of clean as possible. Mm if you like. But Adelaide was found to have the highest concentrations of methyl amphetamine. Sydney had the highest levels of cocaine and Melbourne had the highest level of heroin. Right. They can break it down by city by city and they can even sort of work out, you know, where the problem markets are or where the, the highest, most likely areas which have got really bad issues with these drugs. Not to say that, that they're just confined to those drugs only. Yeah. But that, that's where... There's oxycodone and that's where on a per cap- and... Yeah. yeah. But that's where they found the highest concentrations per, on a per capita basis in in those cities so it's an interesting study that's made of the 25 countries with comparable data australia ranks second highest after the united states of america for total estimated stimulant consumption so this is not per capita Mm. second to the u.s in the world wow incredible yeah it's a problem and it's a pretty interesting insight that's been given this uh, National Wastewater Drug Monitoring Program. It's being funded for a further four years and the Australian Criminal Intelligence Commission will continue to, v- to develop its potential over the coming years and deliver three reports per annum. If you want to have a look at this report for yourself, uh, you can go to the website of the Australian Criminal Intelligence Commission. That's acic.gov.au. You'll find that there. It's uh, for anyone to look at. So a little bit disturbing there. John, a bit more on the beach situation with effluent and proposals for how that could be reused or ways to get those levels down. 
So just in terms of uh, the, you know, the, the issue that we have and where we pump our waste, look, we're one of the um, one of the few countries in the world that uses really clean, fresh water for um, you know for toilet water. So mm. we we flush down. You know, what goes into the system is fresh, clean water. Uh, there's, uh, I think, uh, some places that have historically used maybe seawater. I think in areas of Tasmania may have pumped some seawater in. Uh, I know that's something that uh, Hong Kong has done for quite a while as really? well, and that they're actually using seawater to, to, you know, funnel through the cisterns. Hmm. Uh, but you know, we tend to have you know, you know, beautiful, uh, pristine, clean water that we, uh, you know, put through you know showers and obviously drinking water and and then you know the, the toilet systems and the sewage systems, and then that gets through to some treatment plants and then from there whilst it may be cleaned up mm. and uh, you know the solids are removed from it and 99% uh, of that becomes you know clean fresh water um, a lot of that is actually then pumped out into the base and if you look at uh, Sydney for example it has Australia's biggest outfall and it provides primarily treatment at Malabar in New South Wales and serves about 1.7 million people and the outfall releases 499 megalitres per day of treated sewerage called effluent. Mm. So and this is coming from fizz.org, a story that was pushed there. Mm. And that's about eight Olympic-sized swimming pools of effluent to an hour uh, that's being just pumped out into wow. the bay. Mm. And one of the, you know, the questions is, is it is it suitable for that? Because, you know, there's no bacteria detected uh, which is great, you know, as it is 99% sewage, uh, treated sewage is water with 1% can potentially be harmful. That's mm. where that's where the issue lies in there. And so can that be potentially put back into the groundwater? Maybe that's where it can be cleaned up further and go through some sort of natural bio process and then a breakdown even further. Mm. But the, the issue is, um, you know, what is that 1% that's left? Is it some of the antibiotics that we're talking about? Mm. Are there other harmful um, uh, issues in there that haven't been taken out through... What's its know, environmental uh, impact? E exactly. I mean, and, and putting it into, into the bay is probably equally of as harmful as putting it into the ground. Well, we, we there's, there's one at Gunnamatta Beach, which is an ocean beach south of Melbourne. I think it's the Bogues Rocks Gunnamatta Outfall, and that used to be semi-processed sewerage. Mm. Uh, I know surfers who used to complain about oh, getting red lumps and, under yeah. their arms and stuff after surfing out there because it's a, it's a can be a good place to surf. That has actually been upgraded so that the quality of that uh, of that effluent that's been released is now much more refined. Mm. It's going through a much better treatment and i think that's something that's a trend that's happened all around australia but look in the in the bad old days virtually untreated sewerage was being pumped out and still unfortunately in other parts of the world that's really the way that well, sewerage look, is in, dealt with in china they're still using you know maybe treated to a degree but they're actually using uh, that recycled water on you know growing crops and and other you know land resources so this potentially this is it's building some of these super bugs that we've been talking about and so you know the question is is it safe to do so can we use it for agricultural purposes here that's not uh, you know not for human consumption for the growing of cotton or, or whatever it happens to be mm. uh, because water is it's a precious resource which is getting harder to, to come by where we hear of Murray Darling too many irrigators taking water or not enough water going you know flowing back into that that system there overpopulation throughout the world is drawing
drawing on clean water sources and there's obviously the pollution of the waterways mm. and you know how do we treat that so the, the better the smarter use of water is going to protect it for future but you know how do we achieve this while still um, you know having the agriculture and the fresh cleaning water that we and expect just, today. exactly and you just have to ask someone who lives up in northern california they've been short of water for i think they've been in semi-drought or full drought for for 20 years or more now maybe this last winter they had which was a, a very good snowy winter and there'll be lots of runoff from that but i think they are almost in sort of permanent recycling where they previously didn't the same sort of thing that's happened in in geelong for example they went through a, a period of extended drought where people were plumbing their their dishwashing water out into the garden because mm-hmm. they weren't allowed to water their gardens and people replanting cactuses instead of the sort of plants they'd had for, for years before that so put this down to climate change whatever it is but there are parts of the world that really do have to focus on recycling and it may even be it's often sewerage that gets recycled i think tony you might know the answer in in london if you drink water out of the tap which you, you can if you're brave mm-hmm. It's sewerage that might have been recycled up to seven or eight times. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the story. It, it, apparently, it's been through, you know, seven pairs of kidneys before it goes through yours. <laughs> uh, nice. <laughs> mm. oh, well, look, water is in a constant state of recycling, you know, whether it's man-made re- recycling or, you know, it's being evaporated and then, then falling down from the skies. It's going through the systems. Mm. So it, I guess it depends on, you know, where it, it, it's come from, how it goes through that process. Mm. You know, there's always going to be this, the same amount of water in the world. It's just then, you know, what other additives are put into it, whether it's a, a chemical that uh, is human created mm. or um, you know, effluent that hasn't been treated properly. Yeah. yeah, well, exactly. You could save on antibiotics, just go and have a drink out of a river. <laughs> You're listening to Beyond Infinity. Science and technology podcasts. You'll find show notes and other resources, plus our complete searchable backlist of over 600 podcasts at our program website beyondinfinity.com.au